What's up? It's Marvin of the Miles Ahead Podcast. For today's episode, it will be based on the NBA and the NFL. I'm back from a long hiatus. So let's just get into the episode. And basically, it's going to be more content coming out soon. As of right now, I have a whole lot of topics to talk about. First thing that we're going to talk about is the NBA. And it's going to be based on my perspective, obviously. So let's just dive into some of the topics I'm gonna be speaking about. So the first thing is gonna be on free agency. You know, what some of the teams were able to acquire from trades or just free agents coming to those teams. The next thing is gonna be my top 10 breakdown. And then the next thing is going to be Bobby Mark's comments on Steph being number two all time. The next thing is going to be Draymond Green's comments on the 2017 Warriors versus the 96 Bulls. Then I'm going to talk about Draymond Green's comments on LeBron James, quote unquote, having the highest basketball IQ of all time. And then I'm going to talk about the KD drama. Then I'm going to talk about Zion's incentives in his contract that was just recently given to him. Then I'm going to give my perspective on the NFL. So as for the NFL, I'm going to be talking about Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Jimmy Garoppolo, Julio Jones coming to the Bucks, and Kyler Murray with the incentives in his contract. Now let's dive into it. But first, I'm going to tell you guys to hit the like, comment, and subscribe. Just show your support for the channel. Give some feedback. And, you know, just let me know what you guys think about the episode. Definitely hit the like first and hit the subscribe as well. So let's dive into it. First thing that we're gonna dive into is the NBA acquisitions. So I'm gonna hold my phone because I don't have the teams or the players that made their moves memorized. So I'm, I'm gonna hold my phone so that I can just see what's happening or, you know, or, or give my reaction for sure. So just give me a second. Okay. So the Timberwolves, they were able to acquire Rudy Gobert. While Utah, they acquired Patrick Beverly, Jerry Vanderbilt, Mike Malik Beasley, and a couple other players to go along with it, along with five other first-round draft picks. Now, to me, I don't necessarily think that Rudy Gobert is worth all that, but the Timberwolves made that move, and, you know, they were able to get what they wanted in the end. Rudy Gobert, he's not on the other side of 30. I believe that he's about 
32 years old. But I think that this will help the Timberwolves. There could be a potential upset in the Western Conference. I wouldn't be shocked. To me, I think the, I think the only thing that they need to get rid of is D'Angelo Russell. He's not a good point guard for that team. If anything, they're back a point guard and McLaughlin should be started. As for the Utah Jazz, they didn't really, you know, get that much for Rudy Gobert, in my opinion. I mean, Patrick Beverly, they just bought him out. I recently heard Jerry Vanderbilt, he could play. He's a very good rebounder and spark player. He gets a lot of tipping shots that come off the rim, and he can hit wide open jump shots as well. And then Malik Beasley, he's a very good 3 and D guy. And they also got five first-round draft picks. And, you know, with those types of picks and those types of situations, you have no clue what those guys are going to end up amounting to in the first place. I mean, it's a lot of hit and misses in the first round of draft picks. So, you know, that's just my opinion on this situation. I think that the Timberwolves overall won this trade, but they did not have to do all that for Rudy Gobert. I think the Utah Jazz, they would have made the trade if they would have got three first-round draft picks and maybe two, two of their key players. So, but, you know, they, they got what they wanted, and I could see the Timberwolves potentially making a second-round hard-fought series, either seven games or six games, and I could definitely see them being potentially a four or five seed next year for sure because of how Rudy Gobert plays. He's not that bad on offense, but his defense is extraordinary. And I could definitely see him pushing the envelope of, of Carl Anthony Towns on defense. And plus, you know, he's had playoff experience, so he's going to be a very good veteran presence for somebody like Carl Anthony Towns who makes a lot of dumb mistakes and a lot of dumb basketball IQ types of decisions that cost teams series. So the next thing that happened was Malcolm Brogdon and Danilo Gallinari going to the Celtics. This is a huge move. This is a huge move for the Celtics. I believe that this, makes them an even better team than they were last year. But, you know, we don't really know if Malcolm Brogdon can stay healthy. If they can keep Marcus Smart there, that would definitely benefit the Celtics for sure. But I'm also hearing that KD may end up on the Celtics, so we have no clue what will happen from there. And I just think that, I think that, the Celtics, they're definitely going to be a top three or two seed next year as well. I think that Malcolm Brogdon, he can really play. He's very good at facilitating the basketball, and he makes smart basketball decisions, and he's not trying to be the guy who takes all the shots. He's very poised, so that, that definitely will help. And, you know, just off the bench, Danilo Gallinari, 
he could play too. He hits a lot of good shots, wide open shots. But, you know, we'll just see what, what will happen with this roster. We don't really know what's going to happen with this whole KD situation. So, you know, this is just my outlook on it so far. As for the Hawks, which was the next team that made a huge trade, they got DeJounte Murray. DeJounte Murray, he could play. I could see the Atlanta Hawks, you know, making a, another huge run next year off of what they did. But I would not say that – I wouldn't say that they would get to the conference finals. I could see them getting to the second round and maybe getting to a conference finals, but it depends on how hot that Trey Young gets in the series. So, but to me, I think that this is a huge move. This helps with Trey Young, you know, on the defensive end. I can see Jazante Murray playing, playing uh, the best player on defense. Plus on offense, he could play as well. He averaged 21 points, eight rebounds, nine assists, and he was very good on defense as usual. He averaged over two steals a game last year. So he really did show out last year. And I could definitely see him being very huge for the Hawks this year, for sure. And I could definitely see the Hawks, you know, potentially being a five seed or, or four seed next year. It could happen. I definitely wouldn't be shocked if that were to happen. The Mavs. They were able to get Christian Wood and JaVale McGee. Now, to me, I think that it all depends on, on how Jason Kidd sets up this lineup. But if he sets it up right, and, and, and basically, and if, and if everybody's able to play within the system of Luka Doncic, I could definitely see them, you know, being a problem next year for sure. Because Christian Wood, he could play. And, you know, he just got out of the team, you know, that was really not going anywhere as of right now to a place that is, you know, trying to win and see where they could go going forward. So I think that this is a good move. And JaVel McGee, I mean, you know, he's a veteran now. And, you know, he's made a lot of bad you know, types of plays in the past, but, you know, after playing with the Warriors and the Suns and the Lakers, he's become a quality center in the league. So I'm not so sure if he's starting, but he would definitely be a huge spark off the bench. And, you know, we'll just see what will happen with the Mavs next year. I could definitely see them being a 50 plus one team next year for sure. Now the Knicks, they made some improvements as well. They got Jalen Brunson. He was a quality player in the playoffs last year. If they were, if they can get Donovan Mitchell for, for the Knicks, that would definitely help the Knicks in terms of making the playoffs next year. But with just Jalen Brunson, I don't really see them being able to go anywhere next year. As of right now, if they if they get to the play-in, I will be shocked. But you know. Jalen Brunson, he's a very good player. 
he showed out in the playoffs, and I could definitely expect for him to do the same at, on his own team. He's not an all-star caliber player, but he's definitely a very solid, solid role player on the championship team. A very solid point guard. I probably would say that he's maybe about top 13, top 15 off the top of my head in the league. So he can play. So the next team that made a huge acquisition was the Warriors. They got Jermichael Green and Dante DiVincenzo. Now, Jermichael Green, he's very good athletically. He can shoot the ball very well. And basically, he just, you know, plays extremely well under pressure. He hits threes and, you know, he hits a lot of wide open jumpers and things of that nature. And he's able to come up out of nowhere and get huge rebounds and stuff like that, too. And plus, he's 6'8", six, 6'9", six, so he could definitely help on the defensive end as well. And, you know, with the combination of Dante DiVincenzo on this team, who's a very poised point guard, you know, he can hit wide open threes as well. And, you know, he's not somebody who's going to be turning the ball over. And he could really help with somebody like Jordan Poole, you know, just be a common force on this team. And, you know, I feel like this is a very huge pickup for the Warriors. Now, for the next team that made a huge move, quote-unquote huge move, is the Clippers. They got John Wall. I think that John Wall, personally, I think that he's not as good as he used to be. I, I, I feel like he's going to be competing for the starting spot between him himself and, and Jackson. I believe his last name is Jackson. I, I don't remember his first name right now. But basically, I, I don't think that he's going to be able to, to start. Maybe he'll build himself into it. But let's just be honest. I think that John Wall is just a less athletic version of Russell Westbrook. Okay? He's not good at shooting jumpers. Um, I feel like you know, the less that his, his athleticism wanes, the better of a basketball player that he'll be. But he's not, he's not a great player. He was a good talent at one point, but to me, like, he did not really make the playoffs that much for me to be like, oh, wow. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he barely made the playoffs that much. So to me, I think that this is a good acquisition, but it all depends on how he plays and if he can stay healthy this whole season. So let's see what happens. And, you know, now we're going to move on to the next team. The Blazers, they were able to keep Damian Lillard and also they were able to acquire Gary, Gary Payton the second. Now, first, I'm going to talk about Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard, right, I think that he will end up not winning a championship ever in his career. I feel like Damian Lillard 
he has never lived up to being a top 75 player in the league. I feel like he didn't, he doesn't deserve to be on there. If anything, I would have Chauncey Billups over him. I would take Tony Parker over him. I would take a slew of other players over Damian Lillard playoff wise that I can name that are better than Damian Lillard come playoff time. And to me, I just, I just think that, I think that Damian Lillard has accepted the fact that he's not really that great of a talent to attract anybody to come to him, right? He's also accepted the fact that it's possible that he's never gonna win. So why not just stay in Portland? I mean, he's gonna make the most money there. So I think that that just makes the most sense. And Damian Lillard, you know, I, he's going to make the Hall of Fame because he made the top 75 team. But guess what? If it were up to me, based on, you know, a couple of things that I feel like he hasn't done in the playoffs, me personally, I would not put him in the Hall of Fame. But you know, this is how the Hall of Fame goes nowadays. So, and, you know, he does have good accolades, but, you know, basically he's just, you know, step junior, if anything, you know what I'm saying? So I do see them potentially making the playoffs this year, but I feel like they will be closer to the play in than the playoffs. Now, as for them getting Gary Payton the second, that was a huge pickup. I feel like, you know, like he's going to help defensively immensely on this team. I feel like this is a huge pickup for the Blazers. I can see him definitely potentially starting on the Blazers. So I wouldn't be shocked if that were to happen, but he made a lot of key key decisions in the playoffs he definitely did help the Warriors in fact I feel like you know this this I felt like at the time that this was a huge blow to the Warriors when when they uh let him go but you know they were able to acquire some other pieces so we'll just see what happens from there but as for Gary Payton he's extremely poised and and basically, I could definitely see him being able to, you know, just help hugely with, with all the being, being at the right place at the right time, hitting key jump shots, you know, making key blocks and key steals and things of that nature. So I definitely would not be shocked if they, if they are able to make the playoffs. So we'll just see what happens from there. And to me, like, if anything, the only way that Damian Lillard can be able to win a championship or come close or get to a few or, or get to a few more conference finals in his career, he has to change his game. Okay. He has to stop trying to average 30 plus points. He has to he has to bring his points down to maybe about 20 three points, 22 points per game, and maybe about, you know, 10 assists to eight assists per game. 
you know, pass the ball more, you know, stop trying to be, trying to go after the stats and things of that nature. So to me, if he does that and stop trying to play like Steph, then maybe he'll have a better chance of living up to him being a top 75 player or him being able to get further into the playoffs. Because Isaiah Thomas of the Pistons, he did that. You know, he, he shortened up his stats. So he ended up winning championships. But at first, you know, he was going after the assist titles and things of that nature, averaging 23 and, and 15 or 14 or whatever it was during those times. And then he shortened it up, got, got more teammates involved, and then next thing you know, won championships. And he ended up going to five straight conference finals throughout that span. So, you know, We'll see what happens. I mean, he does have a great, all-time great point guard on his team and Chauncey Billups. To me, I think that he's the top 10 point guard of all time. And in the playoffs, I would take Chauncey Billups over Chris Paul all time in the playoffs. Come playoff time, Chauncey Billups, he really was Mr. Big Shot. He led his teams to maybe about seven straight conference finals. So. You know, he has a great coach and or a great potential coach. We'll see what he'll, we, we will see what Chauncey Billups will do with this roster. But, you know, hopefully they could turn it around and hopefully Damian, hopefully Damian can turn this around. But as of right now, I don't see much happening with Damian. Now for Chauncey Billups, on the other hand, we might need to see what will happen if Damian Lillard retires. But as of right now, you know, we're just going to see what happens with the Blazers from now. So the next thing that happened was the Wizards. They were able to keep Bradley Bill, another guy who was kind of obsessed with, you know, I'm I'm not really, I'm not really going to come at, you know, Bradley Bill that much. I mean, he got what he wanted out of his out of his career. You know what I'm saying? So he got he got as much money as he wanted and playoffs and things of that nature. It just doesn't really matter to him where he ranks in all time shooting guards doesn't matter to him. Him being, you know, considered one of the best shooting guards of all time doesn't matter to him. So, you know, he got one. Of, he got what he wanted out of his career. He knows why nobody wants to play with him. He knows for a fact that the Wizards are probably most likely not going to get anywhere. And, you know, that's just the way it is. So, to me, he did not want to submit his legacy as an all-time great. So, if he, if he wanted to do that, he would have moved his last contract. You know, he, he would have he decided to go to another team, you know, but, you know, he, he just wants to stay where he is and everybody's fine with that and he's fine with that. So as long as he's fine with that, I'm cool with it too. As for the Bucks, they were able to acquire Sergi Bach. That's a huge move for the Bucks. I feel like that is 
very pivotal. You know, he, he definitely played a huge factor in the 2019 series against the Warriors, getting blocks everywhere and things of that nature. I feel like he's going to be very good as a backup power forward, and he's going to play a very huge role hitting key shots and things of that nature. He's very poised, and he knows what he's doing. So I feel like that that's a very huge acquisition for the Bucs, and I can definitely see them being a two or three seed next season. I wouldn't be surprised if they're number one, and if Giannis goes for another MVP-like season this year. So that's it on my perspective on the free agency and trade acquisitions. The next thing I'm going to move on to is my top 10 breakdown. So let me just dive into that real quick. I'm going to put my phone away because I'm finished with those topics about the free agency and the trade acquisitions that happened. So let me just dive into the, the next topic, which is my top 10 breakdown. So at number one, you know, obviously I had MJ. I mean, that really wasn't really a debate for me. Um, All-time great basketball player has done it. You know, so many levels on getting MVPs. He has five of them. He has six finals MVPs. And, you know, he just was clutch throughout his whole career. And, you know, he, he just really does this. Like, he's really one of the all-time greats. I, I really don't really need to get into too much explanation about Michael Jordan. But at number two, I have Kareem. Okay, I have Kareem over – I have Kareem over LeBron. Okay? But guess what? I don't even have LeBron number three. I have Bill Russell number three. Okay, Bill Russell was one of the greatest players of all time, and also so is Kareem. Okay, Kareem, you know, he was able to, to be a playoff team, a contender right off the rip. I believe that he was able to get a championship the next his second year in the league, and basically the Celtics they were a mediocre to a terrible franchise before they got Bill Russell, right? They had never won anything before Bill Russell got there, right? Next thing you know, he gets there, they win 11 championships and they only lost one championship. They only lost one time. And guess what else? They didn't win for, they, they, they didn't win for another five years after he retired. You see what I'm saying? They didn't win for another five years. That just tells me the value of how great Bill Russell was. And then on top of that, his defensive metrics were extremely high. He's probably the greatest defensive player of all time, defensively, not even close, okay? So number, number three was Bill Russell, right? At number four, I have Magic Johnson. Can't miss out on Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson, one of the greatest players of all time. I don't know why people forget about him, but guess what? He was great, okay? 
He won a championship as soon as he got in the league. As soon as he got in the league. Okay. He went to the he went to the finals nine out of 12 years. That's greatness. And he won five times. Five times. Okay. And I mean, if it wasn't for him getting the AIDS virus or HIV, he was 32 when he retired. Well, there's no telling where where his career might have ended up if he would have played 13 to 14 more seasons or maybe 15, you know, there's no telling where his career might have been, you know, but his peak was extremely high. He won three finals MVPs. He won three, three MVPs, regular season MVPs. And, you know, he was just an all-time great, you know what I'm saying? So the greatest point guard of all time, the greatest passer of all time, not even close with that. And at number five, here's the here's one of the controversial ones. I have Larry Bird, okay? Larry Bird, okay? His first year in the league stole, he stole rookie of the year from Magic Johnson. First year. You know, he was balling, okay? He turned a 28-win team the year before to a 61-win team the year he got there. The year he got there. That's greatness, right? They ended up giving the 76ers a scare in the second round. The second year, he wins a championship. Larry Bird, he was able to do things faster than LeBron was, win MVPs, win finals MVPs. And guess what? He did it against the best competition at the small forward spot. I mean, he had, he had to go up against guys like James Worthy, Dennis Rodman, Adrian Dantley, Dominique Wilkins. I mean, these guys were great players. So, and, and I could go on and on for the amount of small fours that he went up against. But the next player I'm going to move on to is Tim Duncan. Okay. Tim Duncan beat LeBron two times. Okay. Borderline three times in a row. Okay, if it wasn't for Ray Allen hitting the shot to basically save LeBron, because basically that would have been that would have been the second championship, right? But guess what? That would have been an all-time collapse in LeBron if he did not if he did not end up hitting that shot because everybody thought that game was over. So, including myself, when I saw it, I thought the game was over for sure. <laughs> Very clutch shot by Ray Allen. But, you know, LeBron, he definitely was clutching that series. I mean, he showed up all the way up until the last few minutes of that game. And, and in game seven, obviously, you know, the Spurs, they ran out of gas. I mean, that was a 36-year-old Tim Duncan. And everybody else was old as well. 
So I have Tim Duncan above LeBron. And to me, Tim Duncan, he was the best of that 2000s era as well. Okay. From 99 all the way over to 2014. Okay. So, you know, all-time great, great defensive player. He, 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 he wasn't really like the flashy player, you know, but he was able to, he was able to lead his team over and over again. He won three finals MVPs. He won two MVPs, which is something that, you know, Kobe didn't do. It's something that Shaq didn't do in terms of winning two MVPs. But, you know, Kobe, he didn't win three finals MVPs, but this isn't about Kobe, okay? This is about Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan is one of the great, he's, he's basically the greatest power forward of all time, you know? And, you know, that's not really a debate, okay? So at number seven, I have LeBron. You know what I'm saying? That you cannot leave LeBron out of the top 10. That would be an insult, okay? Leaving LeBron out of the top 10 is crazy. See what I'm saying? That would be crazy, all right? I'm not, I'm not delusional. See what I'm saying? I'm not delusional, all right? But um, LeBron, all-time great. All-time great. Um, I think that he personally is a better player than Kobe. Okay, he was mostly the leader of all his championship runs. The thing that brings into question for me about LeBron in terms of him being number seven is, you know, he has a lot of losses on his resume, a lot of losses. And, you know, LeBron, yes, he does have one of the one of the highest basketball IQs of all time. Yes, he does individually. But guess what? That stuff does not help with team basketball you know what i'm saying like you know and then on top of it like he had to go to miami to learn how to win he had to go there to learn how to win okay lebron he had he had one of the most stacked rosters of all time okay from 2010 all the way over until 2016 okay he had the best roster in the league Okay. And from 2010 all the way over until 2018, he had the best roster in the Eastern Conference. Okay. LeBron, he's always had a great roster on his team. Okay. I, I do personally think that LeBron, he is underrated as a clutch playoff performer. I do feel like he does show up in the playoffs. Okay. But also, at the same time, LeBron, he doesn't show up in the playoffs, okay? For example, right? You know, I, I recently brought up the 2013 finals, right? But guess what? He got blew out by a crazy margin, right, in 2014, right? by the Spurs in 2015 with game four in his house. This is what nobody brings up, all right? With game four in his house, if the Cavs go up 3-1 against a Warriors team, 
with no finals experience, no finals experience at all. The only person on the team with finals experience is LeBron, okay? They lost that game and LeBron was terrible, okay? Now everybody didn't want to talk about Andre Godala, right? But Andre Godala, he was not the main person who was defending LeBron, okay? He wasn't, he wasn't the main reason why, why, why LeBron lost that series, okay? The Warriors, they also ended up sending double teams as well and things of that nature as well. But to me, any other type of all-time great, they would definitely show up in that game four. I believe that LeBron had about 20 points in game four. I believe that other players like Larry Bird or Tim Duncan or Michael Jordan, Kareem and Kareem and his prime, they are all showing up for that game four to try and close a series against a team that had never been there, never been there. So, and then you got 2016. Everybody brings up 2016, right? But guess what? Before the season started in 2016, the Cavs, they were favored to win the championship. You want to know why? Because they had the best roster in the league, okay? Las Vegas, they favored them to win the championship, okay? Throughout LeBron's whole career in the regular season, his team wins. They're always, they're, they're always not that good for the most part. Okay, I believe that LeBron, he's only won maybe about 60-plus games twice in his career, I believe, maybe three times, you know. But that roster was the best roster in the league, okay? So to me, how in the world was, how in the world was the Warriors up 3-1 in the first place? If anything, I think that I think that the Cavs should have won maybe about 60 plus games and been they should have won in five games, five to six games. See what I'm saying? Yes, the Warriors, they were 73 and nine. Yes, they were. But guess what? That was also that was also because the league had not really caught up to them yet. See what I'm saying? And then on top, and then on top of that, you know, you have 2019, LeBron missed the playoffs. Last year, LeBron missed the playoffs again. You know, like LeBron, he's a great stat pattern. Okay. He he's great at padding the stats to make it seem like he did everything. You know, he um uh he he shot everything, he 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 made all the right decisions. There's nothing that you could do to say anything negative about LeBron, okay? But guess what? That's, that's exactly why that he doesn't win that much. That's exactly why. In, 20, in 2020, yes he, yes, he did end up winning the championship. Yes, he did. Okay, I'm not going to take that away from you. But there was a pandemic that was happening, okay? There was. We're not going to exclude that, okay? I'm not going to say it's an asterisk, but guess what? There was no there was no road games being played, okay? I do feel like that does play a huge factor, 
there were teams that just wasn't really into it because of COVID and the whole depression and things of that nature that everybody was going through throughout that time. Okay. And to me, I personally don't even think that LeBron was the best player in those finals in 2020. I believe that it was actually Anthony Davis. He was far more impactful offensively and defensively. And, and you know, and you want to know what else was crazy? It took them six games for them to win this championship against a fifth seed. A fifth seed that didn't have the services of that uh, that didn't have the services of Bam Adebayo. Okay, he was injured, and also Goran Dragic, who was also injured. Okay, and to me, like back to the Warriors series, right? Nobody wants to include the fact that that the, that Steph was hurt, Andrew Bogut was out after Game Five, Draymond was getting the most fluky suspension of, suspension of all time, right? Fluky. Prior to the situation in 2016, I had never seen another player get suspended in the finals. Never, not for something like that especially an all-star, an all-star, never happened. But in 2016, that had to happen, right? And then on top of that, yeah, Andre Godala having back spasms, right? Everybody didn't want to act like, yes, Steph had a bad series. But guess what? Last time I checked, he did sprain his MCL against the Rockets in 2016. Okay, in the first round, I believe. Okay, and then on top of that, he beat he beat the Thunder, while hobbled. Okay, coming back from three one. Okay, in Game Four, he showed up in Game Five. I mean, what else is he supposed to do? <laughs> you had LeBron dropping 40, 41. You had Kyrie dropping 41. And then, like I said, Andrew Bogan was out. So guess what? Since Andrew Bogan was out, right? Since Andrew, since Andrew Bogan was out, right? Tristan Thompson ended up balling, okay? He ended up averaging 15 and 10 throughout the rest of that series. From game five on, right? He was balling. He was getting offensive rebounds everywhere. Okay, then on top of that, in game six, Steph, he was all right, right? They were getting ready to come back, and the next thing you know, he's fouled out, right? Going into the four, going into the last five minutes of the fourth quarter, right? And the next thing you know, in game seven, right, that's where everything is, you know, where, where everything is close and things of that nature, and they lost by four points. Not by blowout, four points, four points, not by blowout. Shouldn't it be a blowout? It should be a blowout to me. I think it personally should have been a blowout, okay? Think about this, okay? You have LeBron and Steph. That is, those two are the best players on the court, okay? 
right? And then on top of that, then you have Clay Thompson was not better than Kyrie Irving. He wasn't. He was not better than Kyrie Irving. And then on top of that, you have Draymond Green, and then you have uh, and Tristan Thompson versus Kevin Love. For uh, they, they both made up for Draymond Green. Okay, they made up for the impact of Draymond Green. Okay, so everything or whatever was pretty much kind of a wash. Okay, then you had J.R. Smith, and then you had that they had they had uh, Iman Shepard playing a huge key factor within the, within this series. Right now, everybody now everybody they always want to say you know that that season was the greatest team of all time, right? When that's not the case, all they really did was just, all they did was just win 73 games. They didn't finish the job. So no, that's not the greatest team of all time. It's not even close to being one of the greatest teams of all time. And guess what? They also lost nine games throughout that playoff run, okay? The Warriors, they were not the greatest team of all time. They weren't, okay, in 2016. Now, in 2017, if LeBron had beat that team, okay, everybody, everybody, they want to give so much credit to LeBron or whatever in 2016, when guess what? He shouldn't have even been the underdog in the first place. This is all due to how LeBron underperforms in the regular season, right? But come, but, but come playoff time, you know, all of a sudden he's the underdog. He shouldn't have been the underdog, right? But in 2017, right, 2017, their team was a lot closer than what people want to make it out to be. The thing is, is that the Warriors, they played the actual system, okay, instead of LeBron James' street ball system that he loved so much, that, that ended up costing him a championship. To me, Honestly, if LeBron had went to college, right, if LeBron had spent two years of college, maybe three, and then came out in the NBA, a case could be made that he really is a top two to top three playoff time because he would be better in the playoffs, okay? Not only that, Dwight Howard beat him in the playoffs. Dirk, Dirk Nowinski beat him in the playoffs. And LeBron had... The more favorable, the more favorable team he did. Okay. I mean, at times he was getting locked up by JJ Barea. Okay. Jason Kidd, Jason Terry. Now, obviously, Sean Marriott played a huge role in, 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 in locking up the Brown. I'm not going to take nothing away from Sean Marion. He was balling. All right. But LeBron, he underperformed so bad throughout that series, so bad. And he had eight points in one of those games, eight points in one of those games, right? So now for the next player, okay, I have Hakeem Olajuwon. Yes, I said it, Hakeem Olajuwon, all right? Okay, he, he's one of the greatest players offensively and defensively, okay? He leads the league in blocks, right? Leads the league in blocks all the time. And then on top of that, he also was great offensively in the playoffs as well. You know, I feel like he definitely would have won 
more championships if if the roster was far more better constructed for him, right? But guess what? In 86, he outplayed. He was able to outplay Kareem to get to the finals, and he did ball out in the finals. The thing that's crazy about Hakeem is he's one of those players, unlike LeBron, unlike, you know, quite a few other players, right? They ended up balling out within their first two seasons and getting to a finals, right? Within their first two years, you know? They ended up gaining and being great and going to great heights within their first two years being in the league. You know what I'm saying? So, and then on top of that, you know, I want to say Hakeem Olajuwon, I think that he's about top 10 to top 15 and maybe about five categories, five of the major statistical categories in the NBA. He's top 10 to top 15 in five of the major statistical categories all time. What else can you say? So, and then, and then basically when he showed up, he went and then he got his championships. I mean, you know, he, he ended up proving that he was the second best player in that era. And he was. I mean, he beat Charles Barkley. He beat Karl Malone. So you got to give him his credit. So at number nine, I cannot miss out on number, at number nine, and that is Shaq. Shaq was the best player on all three of those Lakers teams, okay? And guess what? He was able to get to the finals, same thing, extremely quickly, okay? Within his first two years, I believe, he was able to get to the finals, okay? So, yes, I have, I have Shaq and number nine okay Shaq you know one of the all-time most dominant players of all time to me I feel like he ended up underachieving his in, in his career had he had been in better shape and continued to uh to to work well on his conditioning maybe staying at 92 form or maybe or, or maybe just the old one Shaq you know he probably would be the greatest player of all time you know, he probably would have eight championships and he probably would have surpassed Kareem by a mile in terms of all-time points. So, but he, he ended up underachieving, in my opinion. But to me, I still have him better than Kobe Bryant. So, because of his dominance and, and, and basically him being able to also have playoff success outside of Phil Jackson. Okay, he was able to get to a finals, get to a conference finals, which was which was a huge testament to how great that he really is. So the next player and number 10 is Steph Curry. I got Steph at number 10. Okay, I have him above Wilt and above Kobe. Okay, Kobe's in my top 15. And I have and I have Wilt in my top 15 as well. Okay, he has more championships than Wilt. Okay, 
And and guess what? He shows up more in the playoffs than Wilt did. Okay. Wilt, okay, he has several playoff games, several playoff games, right? Well, Will Chamberlain scored less than 10 points. And he scored, and guess what? He played 48 minutes. 48 minutes. How do you do that? How does that happen? Well, how? Explain to me. I'll wait. And then on top of that, uh, you know, Steph Curry, he's he's never had a playoff game, you know, where he scored less than double digits. Never had a playoff game where he scored less than double digits. Right? Now, guess what? In comparison to Kobe, right? All of all of Steph's finals numbers are better than Kobe's. All of them. All of them. Shooting percentages, everything is better than Kobe. Okay. Points, rebounds, assists. I mean, it's even close in steals in the finals. Steph has better, Steph is better in the finals. Okay. And then on top of that, he hit higher heights, higher heights, okay? In the he hit higher heights in the in the regular seasons. He did. Okay. He was able to get to a 73 and 9 record. Kobe never did that. Okay. He was able to get back-to-back MVPs. He won two MVPs. Kobe never did that. Now, Kobe, he may have deserved one other MVP ahead of LeBron in 2010 or maybe 2009. He may have deserved that, but guess what? He did not end up getting okay? And uh, also, he also has 267 win seasons. I don't think that Kobe has had a 67 win season in his career, okay? And as far as, like, you know, Steph on, on the defensive end, which everybody wants to, you know, just come at Steph for, for, for him defensively, right? Steph or whatever, he, he's never going to get the credit that he deserves defensively. Never going to get the credit that he deserves defensively. He's never going to make a defensive, uh, he's never going to make a defensive team because of what he does offensively. All, all people pay attention to is what he does offensively, right? But Steph, He's always he he has always been, I want to say above the fray. He's always been above average defensively. Okay, whether it's playoffs or or um or the regular season. Always been that. Okay. And to me, that's just the facts. There's nothing, there's nothing that you could deny there. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you look up his defensive metrics, he's been better, okay? And like I said, like, he's never going to get the credit that he deserves. Like I said, he changed the game of basketball, okay? Kobe, he did not change the game of basketball. He copied off of somebody else, okay, who changed the game of basketball, okay? The Mamba mentality is, the, the Mamba mentality is actually Michael Jordan's uh, mentality, but Michael didn't put a name on it. Michael didn't put a name 
on that situation. He, he, he never put a name on it, okay? But the mama mentality is essentially Michael Jordan, okay? And then on top of that, you know, he, cop he copied MJ's moves. He went over to Hakeem's camp to learn how to be a better post player. Um, but like I said, Kobe's an all-time great. It's not an insult. It is not an insult to say that Kobe is the top 15 player all time. It's not. Kobe, he's had bad playoff games throughout his career as well. Nobody talks about it. You know, in, in the 04 Pistons, he was terrible. His first finals against the Pacers, he was terrible. Uh, he's, bad, he's had bad playoff series, right? He's had he's he's had worse playoff series than Steph has than Steph has had in his career. Okay, and on top of that, in 2010, okay, his most meaningful, his most meaningful championship, most meaningful against the Celtics. He was terrible throughout that whole series, throughout that whole series. Okay. And guess what? If it wasn't for Ron Artest and Pau Gasol and Derek Fisher, they might have lost that championship. How would Kobe Bryant look if he was four and three instead of five and two? Now, now guess what? I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to go as far as saying that Kobe didn't deserve the finals MVP. But I'm not going to go that far, but guess what? He, he wasn't great in those finals, right? He wasn't great in those finals, okay? But Pau Gasol, he showed up in game seven for sure. He definitely did. And people, people they could say or whatever that, you know, Kendrick, if Kendrick Perkins was playing, which, you know, it's funny mentioning Kendrick Perkins because he's not really that great of a player, but he was very key in that series. They might have won that series in 2010. So, so moving on to, to another reason why I think that Steph deserves and deserves to be in the top 10, right? So, so guess what? Like I said, comparing finals, right? In 2016, like I said. Previously, Steph was hurt, right? Compared to 04, was Kobe hurt? No, he wasn't, right? Now, now, guess what? Statistically, Kobe's best series in the finals was against the Magic. That was his best series, statistically. He balled out, did his thing, right? He did his thing getting to the finals as well. I'm not going to take that. I'm not going to take that away from him. But in the finals, for the most part, you know, his competition was, wasn't really that great in terms of who he went up against, right? As for Steph, on the other hand, right, in 2015, won the, he should have won the finals in the right? In the, last, in the last three games of that series, he averaged 28 points, on 49% shooting from the field, 45% shooting from the, three, from the free throw line, and I think about 86% from 
from the free throw line, something like that, I think. But at the end of the day, I think that he definitely deserved the finals MVP over Andre Godala. In game five, he had 37 points with 17 points in the fourth quarter. And guess what? Throughout, throughout the rest of the series, from games four through six, games four through six, he averaged 12.3 points in the fourth quarter, okay? So give him his credit, right? He deserved that finals in all right? In 2017, Steph, he almost averaged a, a triple-double, right? But guess what? He didn't care about his stats like uh, like a LeBron. He didn't care about his stats like a, like a Russell Westbrook, which is why they ended up winning the championship, okay? In 2018, Steph, he only had one bad game, one bad game, right? And that was in game, game three, okay? KD also had one bad game in game one. Okay, Steph, he outscored KD in, in three out of the four games. And, and guess what? He also outscored KD in three out of the – in all four of the games in the fourth quarter. So, Steph showed up. So, I mean, it was a conversation that Steph should have had the finals MVP. But, okay. I mean, KD, he did get that – he did get that edge. And I can see why people would give him the edge for that finals MVP. The people, they were acting like Steph didn't show up. He did. So I was just recently going through some technical issues. I'm back now, so. Where I left off was uh, Steph's playoff performance in the finals. So in 2019, I said that Steph was going up against one of the best defensive teams in this era. So plus he was getting triple team throughout that finals and he still averaged 30. And the reason why I said that this is one of the best defensive teams of, of this era is because of look, look at what they had already accomplished up until this point. You had Sergi Baca, who was in contention for defensive player of the year. He also led the he also led the league in blocks twice. Okay. Yeah. Kawhi Leonard, who was a two-time defensive player of the year. And then you had Mark Gasol, who was a defensive player of the year as well. Then you had guys like Kyle Lowry, a, a scrappy defender. Then you had uh, Fred Van Fleet, who was very scrappy in this finals. And they also, and basically like he was hounding Steph like a dog or whatever, trying to, you know, be physical and stuff like that. And Steph, he was still able to get his numbers. Now for this past series, Steph averaged 31 points, and, and he was on fire throughout this whole series, except for game five, okay? Steph, he's been consistently great in the finals. And 
not only does Steph have better averaging point numbers than Kobe, he has better averaging point numbers than Kareem, Larry Bird, D. Wade. You know, he's better at averaging points better than them. Some of these players are known scorers. So, you know, that's why I have Steph higher than Kobe. Now, the next thing that we're going to move on to is Bobby Marks' comments, okay? Bobby Marks made the most delusional comment. I haven't heard nothing like this in a very long time, but Bobby Marks put Steph at number two all time. Now, that is delusional, okay? Steph will never be top two all time. Never be top two all time, okay? I can see Steph potentially being as high as, you know, eight, depending on, you know, what he does for the rest of his career. But two, no. You know what I'm saying? At 10, that's where he is right now. So I, I, I thought that that was just crazy for Bobby Marks to say something like that. But I've also heard that he's made a lot of weird statements before in terms of basketball as well. You know, a lot of, you know, a, a lot of crazy takes as well. So that's it on, on my commentary on that. Next thing I'm going to move on to is Draymond Green's comments on the 2017 Warriors versus the 1996 Bulls. So Draymond Green said the Warriors would beat the Bulls by 20 points. <laughs> and they would blow out the Utah Jazz by 40 points. That's even crazier, okay? But obviously, I don't believe that, okay? All right? To me, I would give the Bulls the edge over the Warriors in 2017, okay? The Warriors, this team is one of the greatest teams of all time, along with the Lakers of 1987, also the Boston Celtics of 1986, and the Bulls of 1996. And then on top of that, you have the 01 Lakers as well. And you could also put, you know, the uh, the 71 Lakers, I think with Jerry West and Will Chamberlain, you could throw them in there as well. But uh, I disagree with this. I don't think that it will be a 20 point blowout. And I don't think that it will be a 40 point blowout against the Jazz. Yes, I think the Warriors will win that series. I probably would say maybe about five to five to maybe a hard fought six games if it goes that far. But uh, but look, listen, Steph, he's one of the greatest players, but he's not the greatest player of all time. Okay, and in the finals, we never saw Jordan lose. Okay, we never saw Jordan lose. Okay, we have seen Steph lose. Okay, we've seen that. Okay, 
Steph or whatever, he was able to do as much as he could for somebody at his size being 6'3". Okay? He's, he's the greatest little man ever. I mean, at first it was Isaiah Thomas, but now Steph has taken over in terms of accomplishments and things of that nature. So I would say that it was, that now it's Steph or whatever. But it's, it's been Steph for a while, but, you know, it's now or whatever, it's not really that much of a case for Isaiah Thomas. So, so to me, you know, Steph, Steph and, uh, and Michael Jordan, they don't cancel each other out, okay? It's, it's MJ all day, right? So now, now to me, like, would the series be close? Like, would I say that the Bulls will win in a blowout fashion? No. No. Great teams and great players can play in any era, okay? Stop with the whole, you know, get physical situation and things of that nature. Yes, players were physical, right? Players were physical. But guess what? Like, these players, they were not, you know, bodybuilders and things of that nature. You know what I'm saying? Like, John Stockton, I mean, he probably was 175, you know, 6'1". Okay? Isaiah Thomas probably was a buck 80. Six feet. You know what I'm saying? And then you had guys like Muggsy Bogues in the league. You had Spud Webb in the league. You had some guy named Mike Adams who dropped 50 points one time in the league. You know, then you had George Gervin. Like, players can adjust. Players can adapt to each era. Great players can. Okay? So... Whenever that I hear people say, you know, all you gotta do is get physical and things of that nature, you're you're essentially saying that not everybody can play in every era. And you're trying to say that that player isn't particularly great, okay? Now to me, one of the only players who I think cannot play in every era is James Harden. Now I had already expressed that, you know, pre in my previous podcast, right? But I'm not going to go into any more detail into why I think so. But that, but that was one of the players who I thought couldn't play in it, in every era. Okay, and he has accomplished a lot. Okay, but the thing is, is that you know, Steph or whatever, he's been down three one. He's been down two one. He's been uh, he's been doubled. He's been triple teamed. He's been doing all these things, and he's still getting his numbers. Okay, P- players and teammates, they have gotten physical at Steph. Okay, so that's not what I want to hear. I think that Steph will still get his numbers, and then, um, and then, um, let me see. Then you have Clay versus Jordan. That's not even that's not even a debate. <laughs> not even a debate. They might. I mean, Clay, he might get like a couple good shots here and there, but overall, Clay Thompson, he's not he's not really a great finals performer. You can look at his numbers. It's not great. He's never been great in the finals. Okay. I've never seen Clay Thompson, you know, average 27, 28 points per game in the finals. Never seen it. So, so yeah. 
And then uh, and then the next person you got, you got KD versus Scottie Pippen. That would be a very tough matchup. I wonder how how Scottie Pippen would try to get in KD's head because KD is sensitive. I don't I don't know if Scottie will mention something about his mom in terms of trash talk or something like that. I'm pretty sure that words will definitely be exchanged between those two. And but defensively, you know, it's just not even a close. It's not even close between KD and Scottie Pippen. Scottie Pippen takes that. You know what I'm saying? But KD is such a great scorer, and and he played so well in that system due to the uh, the spacing that that he was provided by Steph and the attention he was getting. Would he win that matchup? I think it would be a very good matchup for sure. Then the next matchup, you have Draymond Green versus Dennis Rodman. That matchup would be absolutely crazy. So, but I, I but I would honestly give the edge in 1996 to Dennis Rodman. Okay. But there are some things that Draymond Green can do that Dennis Rodman can't do, okay? He's a better playmaker, okay? And not only that, he could shoot a little bit better than Dennis Rodman. So I could see Draymond taking a couple shots from the three because he's so wide open, right? But, you know, I but but I could also see him you know, missing a whole lot of layups and stuff like that. So I, I, I think that that match would be definitely very entertaining. But as far as who's going to get in whose head, I would definitely give the edge to Dennis Rodman on that. So as for Andre Godala versus Tony Kuko, I think I would give the edge to Andre Godala. Okay. I would definitely give the edge to Andre Godala. Far more impactful in terms of, you know, making correct decisions and making great defensive plays. I can definitely see Andre Godala dominating that matchup, right? Now, now the rest of the Warriors bench is, is very good. I mean, they had Ian Clark coming off the bench, who was decent. They had who else? They had Sean Livingston, you know, who was very poised and hitting mid-range jumpers as well. So they had a very high basketball IQ team. They, they used maybe about 10 to 12 players on their bench. They also had David West, who was very good as well. So I could definitely see him, see them making it tough on, on the Bulls as well. So. As far as, you know, the Bulls, I mean, they had Ron Harper. Ron Harper, he was good. And, you know, he, he was good for his time. But, you know, but the reason why that, you know, he, he was on the Bulls is because, you know, he wasn't really, his scoring dropped off. You know what I'm saying? Like his scoring dropped off because of the injury that he had gotten to his knee, I believe. So he's not particularly the same type of player. But like I said, you know, defensively, he was a good player. 
for sure. So to me, I would say Bulls and seven games. I, I, I think that it would be the first seven game series in the finals that Michael Jordan actually went up against. Okay. But I wouldn't be shocked if the Bulls were to close it out in six in six games. Okay. I definitely would not be shocked about that. Okay. So, and then on top of that, you have you have player Steve Kerr versus coach Steve Kerr. You know, like how would uh you know Steve Kerr get into player Steve Kerr and maybe everybody else who's played on the Bulls head. See what I'm saying? Like that'll be pretty uh entertaining to watch, but I would definitely take the Bulls, but they're not gonna blow, uh, it's not gonna be a blowout. Probably be like, you know, six or seven game series, each, each game, you know, being decided by maybe about 10 to eight points. You know what I'm saying? So, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Warriors were to upset. Definitely wouldn't be shocked about that because of how they play. So now for the next topic, which was Draymond Green's comments on LeBron James having the highest IQ of all time, in his opinion. So to me, I feel like that was a little bit of an insult or a little bit of shade thrown at LeBron James. Because if you have the highest basketball IQ, then you would have more wins against the Warriors. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, you, you could kind of see where he was kind of going there. He was trying to say, like, the Boston Celtics aren't, their IQ isn't as high as LeBron is. So, you know, I don't think I would really go that far because they, they, they play better team basketball than LeBron does. And to me, like, you know, it's not necessarily about one, one individual basketball IQ. You know what I'm saying? Because that can only get you so far. You know, LeBron James, I mean, he's probably the best at what he does in terms of ball dominance, you know, and, and, and the individual basketball IQ, but he's not making any teammates better. He's not. He doesn't. Kevin Love's numbers diminished. D-Way's numbers diminished. AD's numbers diminished. Kyrie, on the other end, he had to do most of the scoring. I mean, he really wanted to be a point guard. And J.R. Smith's numbers diminished. Everybody who plays with LeBron, their numbers diminished, including D-Wade. So, so to me, you know, that's the reason why that he ends up losing on time because of his basketball IQ not being as high as people make it out to be. Okay, he does have a high basketball IQ. Okay. It's one of the greatest, but it's not it's not as great as people think it is, you know. Because if it was, then he would have beat the Dallas Mavericks. He would have beat the old, very old 
Spurs in 2014, okay, Tim Duncan was like 37 years old. 37. Okay. And they won in five games, right? He would have beat the Warriors in 2015. And, and then on top of that, in 2016, that series would not have been close. In 2017, the series would have been more competitive. Would have been more competitive. If LeBron James, you know, did not really, you know, stat pad his numbers in 2017, you know, to make it seem like it's not his fault, you know, it's 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 the other world players' fault and things of that nature. And put it like this, if if he had, you know, just lessened his numbers, it probably would have gone six or seven games. Because the roster was a lot closer in talent than people want to make it out to be. The thing is that the Warriors, they play team basketball, not individual ball-dominant basketball. So, you know, that's my opinion on it. Now, for the players who I think have a higher basketball IQ than LeBron James are actually ahead of him. <laughs> Michael Jordan. Bill Russell, Kareem, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Tim Duncan. But LeBron James has kind of underachieved, okay? He's kind of underachieved in terms of finals winning. You know what I'm saying? So in terms of playoff winning, he's kind of underachieved for the amount of talent that he's had in his career. So... The crazy thing is that people, they act like he's never played with anybody. So, which is untrue, highly untrue. So, to me, that's just my opinion on it. So, the next thing I'm going to move on to is the KD drama. Okay. So, my perspective on the KD drama update now, because I made, I made my perspective earlier, is um, I think that KD looks very bad right now. You know, I personally think that he should probably just stay on the Nets and try to see if he can uh, win a championship with the Nets. You know, but he's, you know, he wants to get traded to either the Heat or the, the Suns. Now, the Suns is out the window because they ended up signing DeAndre Ayton for a max deal. And he's not going to come there, obviously. As for the Heat, you know, they're, they're trying to muster up something. And, you know, they don't want to give up Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler for KD. I don't think it's worth all that, in my opinion. So, to me... What's left for KD is for them to wait to see if they're really going to do anything. So right now the Celtics are throwing out a very good offer. They're talking about giving up Jalen Brown and and Derek, Derek Jones or something like that. I forgot his name, but he but he was a he was on the he, he was in the finals, right? And Marcus Smart and a couple picks. So do I think it's going to happen? I think it's very possible. But as of right now, 
I don't really see it happening. I don't see it happening. I wouldn't be shocked if it does though, because KD, he may be super adamant about leaving and stuff like that. And he may be pushing everybody in the Nets organization to trade him. But to me, if I were the Nets, I would just say no. Just say no, because, you know, KD, there's nothing that he can really do. He's under contract. I could understand if it was two years from now, but he has four more years left on his deal. Play it out. See what happens. And he has a good roster on his team. And, you know, we'll just see what happens from there. But as of right now, I don't think that he should leave. But if he does go, I wouldn't be shocked. And, you know, I, I just think that it's, you know, kind of weak for KD to want to go to teams that were contenders to, to be able to go to teams that were contenders to go into the finals in the first place. I mean, Phoenix was the one seed last year, and the Heat, they were the one seed last year too. So it just looks bad. And, you know, if anything, I think that KD should just stay on the Nets. So now let's go over to the next thing. Zion's incentives on his contract. So Zion, they they put up on there that that basically that basically like if if he if he weighs over two ninety six, then that will be a deduction on his contract. Now, the question is how much is a deduction? Okay, how much is a deduction? That's the real question. I don't think that that's particularly fair, depending on how much the deduction is. So, and basically, I do think that this is kind of a good tactic in a way, because Zion, he has a history of getting injured because of his weight, you know? And to me, like, Zion, like, you can't stay under 296. Like, stop eating all the gumbo and all the spicy food in, in New Orleans. I mean, I've heard that it's good down there, but got to chill out, bro. Got to chill out. You need a nutritionist, and you need to, uh, you know, just stay in good condition all the time. So that's going to help you be a Hall of Famer. That's going to help you become one of the greatest players of all time. Right now, Ja, he's he's better than you. He he looks better in the draft in that draft than you do. So, to me, I think that I think that Zion is a very good player, and he has potential for greatness. But you know the explosion that he puts on his on, on his knees and his and his feet and things of that nature. That's why they want to keep him below his weight. Because if he's not, then next thing you know, he could blow an ACL. Basically, worse than that, an Achilles or a patella tendon. We don't want that to happen to Zion. So to me, I do think that it is smart. But 
But to me, I also need to know how much are you taking off of his guaranteed contract? That's what everybody needs to know. So next we're gonna move on to the NFL. And for the and for the first topic, I'm going to speak on the Mar Jackson. Okay. So Lamar Jackson was getting criticized earlier. Basically, there was an article that basically said that didn't have Lamar Jackson ranked in the top 10 quarterbacks. Now, that is crazy, okay? They put Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson in the top 10, okay? Dak Prescott is not better than Lamar Jackson at all. Just stop there, okay? That's not even funny. Deshaun Jackson hasn't played, hasn't taken a snap in a year and some change, okay? I don't think that's right, okay? Now, as far as passing, I do think that Lamar Jackson can work, can be a better passer in the playoffs, Right, I could see that. Right, I I could see for for the reason why people would say, you know, he could be better in the playoffs. But he deserves to be a top ten player in the top ten quarterback discussion. You know what I'm saying? And and for and for one of the GMs, I believe somebody said that 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 basically, if Lamar Jackson was to win twelve MVPs, right? If he wasn't win 12 MVPs, he still would not be a tier one quarterback. That is completely like racist, bro. That's some hater stuff. Why would you say something like that? That's crazy. That's very crazy for that person to say. It's like, it's, it's like, uh, you know, say like he's not skilled or, 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 Basically, like, you know, um, um, you know, like he's a meathead quarterback. That's not the case. He can play the quarterback better than the backups, okay? He's above average, okay? They're 37 and 12 with him, okay, on the team. 37 and 12, okay? He's a great player, all right? And that comment, it's just wrong, all right? It's wrong. And as, as far as them, you know, being on the level of a passer of like a Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, and Aaron Rodgers, he's not going to get there. But guess what? He could become moderately elite, okay? He already is elite, okay? But he could be elite at all times. And let's let us let us say if he wins the Super Bowl this year, is is he is he not tier one? Is he not tier one then? That's not right. I disagree with that. And like you know that type of comment or whatever, that I mean like people or whatever like back in the days they used to be like, oh you know the the, the black man can never play quarterback in the league. 
Well, I guess that's been proven completely wrong, right? So for the next, for, so for the next thing that was made up, that that a critic said, I think it was another GM. Somebody said about Patrick Mahomes. We're gonna move on to the next topic, or whatever. But it is related to this in a way. Somebody said that that Patrick Mahomes, if he doesn't get the first read, the next thing you know, he he goes to street ball. He goes to street football. What, bro? What is Josh Allen then? Because Josh Allen, they play exactly alike in a way. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's not right. That's completely wrong. Completely wrong. You gotta make the comparison. Is is Josh Allen the same player? Huh? Does Josh Allen make the first read? Does Josh Allen make the first read? The next thing you know, he, he goes street ball if the first read doesn't show up. That's not right. But honestly, the reason why, the, the only reason why this stuff is happening is because there's no ownership. There's no ownership for, um, for Blacks in the NFL, okay? There's no Black owner in the, in, in the NFL. Okay, there, there's no half. There, there's no half of the teams owned by black, by, by, by black owners. No half of the teams owned by black owners. That's why that's happening. Okay, if anything, if there's such a huge issue, they should just create their own league, right? That's what the NFL. That's what some of these players should do if they're so offended, right? N not to say that, you know. Patrick Mahomes is so offended. But, you know, if if um if if these players make up 80% of the league, why can't they just stream it? Streaming on stream it, streaming on some separate YouTube channel. I know the money's gonna be down, but eventually it's gonna catch fire. So I think that maybe they should do that if it's if if it could be that offensive to some people, but to me, that's the only reason why those comments are like them. And, you know, and plus on top of it, like there, there may not be that many black executives. I mean, like, yes or whatever, there's, there's becoming more, more coaches that are, that are black, more head coaches here and there that are black. But the thing is, is that there may need to be more executives. There may need to be more, more GMs that are black in the NFL. So, so that may be the reasoning for the situation. But, but to me or whatever, that comment is wrong. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, he makes, he makes as many reads as he can. He makes first read, second read, third read. He considers all options. And the next thing you know, he goes about his decision. I mean, we saw what he did against Buffalo last, last year, okay? We saw what he did. We saw what he did in the Super Bowl. We saw what he did getting to the Super Bowl. So it's just wrong for people to say those things. And then on top of that, you know, there's players in the league that can't play, okay? There's backups that can't play. 
on both on both races. Okay, white and black. Okay. So that's so that's my opinion on that situation. It was related to to the Lamar Jackson situation as well. So for the next situation or the next topic is Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. So the 49ers, they want to get rid of Jimmy, of Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. So you guys don't like winning. Okay. I mean, let's just face it. The coach of the 49ers, their record is terrible without Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. Something like one in 10. Okay. They're bad without Jimmy Garoppolo. Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo, he turned that franchise around into being a Super Bowl contender slash getting to the Super Bowl, okay? They beat the Packers, who I predicted that they would beat last year, okay? And Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, he is an above-average quarterback, okay? He's elite, but he's not, he's not, he's not an average-to-bench player. Okay, to me, I think that wherever wherever Jimmy Garoppolo goes, is 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 going to be a success because the way that he plays, okay, the way that he plays. Now, now, basically, in the Super Bowl or in the playoffs, sometimes he could choke up. Okay, we've seen that happen. Okay, but in the regular season, yo, he he's dominant. Okay, all right. I mean, I mean, put it like this, even in the playoffs, right? You know, sometimes or whatever, it, ta it takes in until the fourth quarter for him to be back, okay? So, so to me, like, I don't think that that's a good decision for the 49ers to, to give up Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, I think that they should possibly keep him one more year, okay? But, like, if Jimmy Garoppolo goes, I bet you, I bet you that he's going to do better than Baker Mayfield at his spot. So that's my opinion on that. So for the next thing that I'm going to talk about is Julio Jones coming to the Bucks. I think that this is a big pickup for the Buccaneers. I think that Tom Brady, he's going to be throwing bombs. I mean, look, for some reason, he continues to play better as he gets older. I could definitely see them being a Super Bowl contender with this pickup for sure. And they're going to be in the midst. They're definitely going to be in the midst. I could definitely see them winning about 12 games to 11 for sure. So Tom Brady, he's going to keep it going, man. He's going to keep it going. So I think that I think that this is a huge pickup, depending on how he plays and if Julio Jones can be healthy throughout the whole season. And then on top of that, if, um, you know, once it him, once it him and Tom Brady get accl acclimated, you're going to see a whole lot of great plays happening. And I think that this is big for the Buccaneers for sure. So I think that it's going to be a, a resurgence for Julio Jones for sure. So for the next topic, 
So for the final topic, which is about Kyler Murray and for the NFL, okay? This is basically about Kyler Murray's incentive on his contract. So Kyler Murray, he must study four hours per week for, for of gameplay, okay, in order for him to get the full guarantee of his contract. And he must play a certain amount of games as well. That is not fair at all. I know for a fact that Kyler Murray, he's a very good talent and things of that nature. He could play. I think that he already does, you know, study gameplay. And I did hear that he is a huge gamer as well. But does that distract them so much to the point where to the point where they're not winning? I would not really make that case. And plus on top of that, we don't really know if he doesn't study. I, I believe that he does study his gameplay, right? And is that something that stops him? I don't think so. What I what I think that stops him is his size. Okay, his size stops him. He's 5'8. He's not six feet. He's not 5'11, like Russell Wilson. He's 5'8. So when the defenses are able to collapse on him or just able to just put their hands up and things of that nature, it makes it tough for him to see over him, see over on them and get the pass off. But sometimes he can get hit very hard and get hurt. So if anything, Kyler Murray, he needs to worry about being in the weight room. This is wrong because Kyler Murray shouldn't have to be going through this. Uh, I, I think that they should just, you know, give him his guaranteed with no incentives like everybody else. And I also believe that, you know, that uh, there are this criticism towards certain players like Lamar Jackson has been hindering him from getting his contract. So that's not fair to somebody like Lamar Jackson also. Plus then on top of that, you know, it's, it's kind of weird because it's like the NFL is trying to make it seem like Kyler Murray is above Lamar Jackson. Bro, Lamar Jackson won a unanimous MVP. Pay that man. Pay that man. Kyler Murray, he just made the playoffs last year and he played terrible. Okay? So I see what the league is doing by criticizing Lamar Jackson. Okay? And, and, and then on top of that, giving Kyler Murray his contract. Now, do I think the incentives should be there? No. Okay? I don't. If Kyler Murray isn't studying, then he should in order for him to stay in the league, okay? As far as other people not studying, right? Michael Vick had a huge problem with this. Ryan Leaf, a quarterback, a backup quarterback, he had a problem with this, and he never studied, never studied. Kyler Murray should get his contract with no incentives. So that's it on my commentary for today. I hope that you guys enjoyed the content. Have a great rest of your week.
and weekend. And remember, there's gonna be a lot more content coming up and there's gonna be a lot more things to talk about and things of that nature are gonna be guests. There will be some interviews that will be coming up. I do have some things in the works or some plans coming up that will happen and just be on the lookout. And remember, let's not be inches, feet, meters, nor yards. Let's be miles ahead. Also, hit the like, comment, and subscribe. And just show your support. And this will be divided up into two parts. And just check it out. All right. Have a good one.